Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over the spring practices. We're going to talk about some general NFL news, and I'm also going to provide my answers to the Hobson's Choice questions from Bengals.com. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. All right, here we are in the middle of spring, 60 days until the first preseason game, 90 days until the home opener. The Bengals season is right around the corner. All right, so before we get started, I wanted to let you guys know I have a big surprise coming soon for the unofficial Bengals podcast. I'm not going to tell you what it is now because it's in the works, but it's going to involve some Bengals players, and I'm hoping that it does really good things for this podcast. I've been very satisfied so far. There's a lot of people that are listening. I get great feedback. The podcast is growing, and you know, I'm about 90-some-odd episodes in, and I just want this to be the best, most popular podcast for the Cincinnati Bengals in the world. And it's going to take a little time. When I first started this, that was my goal. I, I was thinking within about a five-year period, I wanted to be you know, right at the top of the Bengal podcast world. And if my new plan works out and everything goes good with this new idea, it's going to definitely push me in that direction. So stay tuned. Really exciting things are coming. Okay, so let's move on to some OTA news. So first off, the rookies are playing really well. Dax Hill looks like he's impressing. He's getting it mentally. He has the physical tools. He's getting along with the guys. So that's going to be a good thing. I'm really excited about him. And the other player that people are really excited about, some of the fans are even more excited about him than Dax, is Cam Taylor Britt. And he's coming in with a lot of confidence and a lot of intensity. Same thing with Tyson Anderson. He looks like someone who can't wait to put on the pads and start hitting people. So we have three rookies right now who seem to be there mentally. We all know they're all 4-3 guys with a lot of speed. They're getting along with the team. They're learning the system. We could have three players that are really contributing to this team for the long haul. So that's good news. Better than hearing like one of them got hurt or this guy's just not getting it, or this guy is not performing as expected. Right now, although it's just spring ball, and you really can't tell until the pads come on, until you're facing live opponents from other teams, the early returns on these guys is positive. So we're going to roll with that and just hope that it continues on through the season and through the rest of their careers. All right, on to my favorite topic, Joe Burrow. Everything about him has been good so far. Not wearing the knee brace, doing extra sprints after practice, just putting in the work, not just sitting back and saying, yeah, you know, I'm the AFC champion, you know, I'm the new Tom Brady, I'm the superstar. He's working as hard as anyone and putting in as much time as anyone. And that's a great example for the team. When your best player, when your leader is the one staying after practice running sprints, I mean, excellent stuff right there. And when you think about it, this really is his first real offseason. You had the C-19 year, which of course affected everything. And then he was hurt and rehabbing for the next year. So this is the first normal offseason for Joe Burrow. And it looks like it's just going to be a springboard for him to continue what he did last year and go beyond. And Coach Callahan was talking that they're not making any mechanics tweaks with him. You know, they're not altering his throwing style or anything. Like, everything is in place. It's almost like, Joe, just keep throwing the ball and doing what you were doing last year. And they're talking about making some minor tweaks as far as, like, getting better in the red zone. 
getting better in short yardage, improving play action. And those are all minor things that I believe that he is very good at right now. But if you're going to look at things to improve upon and the coaching staff and Joe Burrow are listing those three things, then go get him. Go get him so you have absolutely no holes in your game because there's very few holes in Joe Burrow's game right now. But if he fixes the things that him and the team think need fixing, he's going to be unstoppable. And the quote from Burrow, this came off one of the press conferences when they asked him about the last play of the Super Bowl, you know, if he saw Jamar Chase open. Just three quick sentences. Joe Burrow says, We lost. We had a great year. We're going forward. And that's the only way to do it. What are you going to do? You're going to wallow in, in a Super Bowl loss? I mean, you got there. That's that's huge. And you know this team is going to get there again. And, you know, just like a, a defensive back with a short memory, same thing. We're, we're not looking back on last season as, wow, we lost the Super Bowl and having that negative mentality and maybe having that spiral and going backwards and not getting back there. It's different with this team. It's just, okay, that happened. We're still a great team. We're even a better team than we were last year with the new acquisitions and the draft picks. So, yeah, I agree, Joe. We're going forward. Some other OTA notes. Coach Callahan was analyzing the Bengals in short yardage situations, and I didn't realize this, but we were 25th in the league last year in third and ones and fourth and ones. So that's a number that you want to see improve upon. But to be honest with you, think about those those one-yard plays. That's all offensive line. If you have guys up front that are just knocking people off the ball, you're going to get that one, two yards that you need to get the first down. So although that stat looks like something that we need to improve upon, it feels like by getting you know Kappa and Karras and Collins, the, the three Cs, Ks, whatever you want to call them, it looks like that's something that we're naturally going to improve upon. But yes, I like what they're doing. They're a championship team, but they're analyzing anything that wasn't perfect that's a championship mentality And don't think we're not going to get right back there. I heard that all the skill players came in in excellent shape. Mixon, Boyd, Chase. I know Higgins is rehabbing, but they're very happy that those guys came in. And that's a big difference from the old days. You know, come on. There's there's some teams, or even years and years ago, and guys come into OTAs out of shape. And some guys used training camp to get in shape. And it's a new NFL now, and especially with the guys on this team and their resolve. Guys are working out constantly and making sure they don't lose a step. And that's what you want to see. Like, really, everything that I'm hearing from OTAs, maybe I'm just hearing it from sources that are biased that are just going to be pro-Bengal on everything. But if you really break down all these things, everything is going right right now. And it's very early, but man, I'm excited. They talked about using Jamar Chase more in the slot. And I'm going to be honest with you, as far as wide receivers go, it almost feels like You know, you're in the slot. I know it's one mentality. You're on the outside. It's another mentality. But if you're a receiver, you kind of can do it all. And someone like Jamar Chase, who's at the top of the food chain, I don't think there's any problem with him switching to the slot. Really, it's just a matter of I'm going to run a good route and try to get open and catch the ball when it's thrown to me. Whether you're inside, outside, upside down, in the backfield, wherever you are, I think it really doesn't matter. And to tell you the truth, when you're in the slot, I feel that you have a lesser cornerback covering you than when you're on the outside. But then when what comes with the slot is you have linebackers and safeties also in there. It's a, a little more congestion. So I understand that it is different, but a wide receiver is a wide receiver. Throw me the ball. And I think putting Chase in the slot is going to be monster. He had that one big play against the Chiefs last year, which was out of the slot. And that's a way to get him open, too. When you're on the outside, up on the line of scrimmage, there's bump and run potential. When you're in the slot, you're, you know, you're a step back, and you can maybe avoid the chuck at the line in a lot of cases. 
Definitely a more physical position, but he's a very physical football player. So I'm excited about that. And I think that they should experiment with everybody. I know Higgins is a taller guy. You want to see him more on the outside. But put everybody everywhere. Get defenses confused. If you just break down the game, it's get open, catch the ball, score a touchdown. So the Bengals still aren't getting a lot of respect. And I don't want to play that game. We know our team. We know that we've been a doormat of the NFL as far as the media. And no matter how good we are, no one respects us. You know, like think about the Lions if you want to just make a parallel. And of course, we're not like the Lions. We're a much better team. But same thing. You know, even if the Lions come out and they go 12-5, and five, people are still not going to believe in them. You, like certain organizations, you just don't think they're ever going to be good. And they have this stigma following them. And unfortunately... We have that stigma, I guess, being from a small market and having some down years. But, man, we were the AFC champions. We beat the Chiefs twice in their ballpark, too. We beat them. And there's just no respect. Everyone's thinking Buffalo's going to be the best team and the Chiefs are going to be right there. And I'm seeing the Broncos. I know the Broncos have a good defense and good skill players. Russell Wilson comes aboard. But that's not an, an instant coronation that you're going to be this next great team in the AFC and you're going to beat a team like the Bengals that have the best quarterback in the AFC and improve their weaknesses by fixing the offensive line and adding some more defensive backs it's not fair and you know everyone's so jacked up on Herbert and he's a he's a great player he's got a great arm great vision down the field you know he's doing all the right things a ton of 300 yard passing games but man I you know he's got Williams over there and Keenan Allen and Eckler and you know a few other good skill players Bosa on defense, and they couldn't even get to the playoffs during his reign. And I know that's premature, and it's not on him. He's a great player. But everyone's, you know, because of the two new acquisitions on defense, everyone's putting them ahead of the Bengals, and that that frustrates me. I mean, you look at different places, you'll see the Bengals as like the fifth or sixth team in the AFC, and then you'll see them as like the third team in the AFC. I haven't really seen them higher than that. I guess you could take the mentality, all right, keep sleeping on us, and we're just going to destroy you. And that's good. You want to see your team get credit. I I guess, you know what, it doesn't matter either way, right? Media is paid to talk. The media is paid to give takes that draw people in and and get ratings and get attention. That doesn't matter to me. Let's just go out and win football games. That's what we did last year. Think about early in the season. Everyone had us for fourth in the AFC North last year. And we just destroyed that narrative. And you know what? Let him sleep. Let him think that Deshaun Watson's going to take the Browns up up the ladder. Let him think that the Ravens are they had injuries last year and they're going to be great. And you can't put down. Let him think all that. We're going to win the AFC North. You heard it here, and we're going to go deep into the playoffs and probably the Super Bowl. I mean, I think we're going to the Super Bowl, but it's it's bold to just say we're going to get there. There's a lot of things that need to happen, right? Everyone has to stay healthy. You have to have some big plays. You have to have some a little bit of luck. You know, all of that comes into play. So it's very hard to get back there, but we have everything in place to get back there. It's a unified team. It is a ton of young talent, and we improved the spots that we needed to improve. So to everyone out there putting the Bengals fifth or sixth in the AFC, keep talking because I'm not listening. All right, let's quickly go over the injury list. We've been fortunate. I haven't heard of any, like, torn ACLs or anything crazy happening in the OTAs, which is big, and you know that's how it is with the NFL. The whole OTAs, training camp, preseason games. You want the guys to get sharp, but really you're just like trying to dodge the injury bullet. That's all I think about in the preseason. Let's just get to game one with everyone intact because that's a big part of it. You stay injury free, you're going to have a good year. And we were very lucky last year with not a lot of major injuries. So the injuries right now, T. Higgins is rehabbing the shoulder. And I'm just amazed that he played with that all year. And 
I give the Bengals media credit for not blowing that up because I didn't really even know. I knew he was a little banged up, but I didn't know that he had a torn labrum that required surgery. So I'm glad that was kind of kept under wraps. And man, what a warrior to go out there and play. And think about it, with that torn labrum, all the balls that he's high-pointing up top, that's a big extension for your shoulder. You know, guys hitting him right on the shoulder, blocking. There's so much heroism that goes into being able to play with a major injury like that. Really give T. Higgins credit. Hoping the surgery was flawless and the rehab. Take as much time as you want, man. If you want to just keep your legs in shape and come back for the first time two days before week one, I'm good with that. Like I said, just get to the starting gate. And really, a lot of credit, T, for for toughing it out. Most people would not have done that. Alex Kappa has an undisclosed core injury. Hoping it's nothing major. You know, with those new free agents, that's the last thing you want to see is the guys that you're really leaning on to make a difference get hurt. It doesn't seem like anything major. He's going to be back for training camp. Same thing. He's been in the league for so long. He doesn't need the reps at this point. Let's get him the reps in training camp. So rest up, Alex. Hoping that it's nothing major because we're going to need you this year for this Super Bowl run. Joseph Asai had a small procedure on his knee. I don't really know what's going on with that. Hoping that it's minor. He's a player that when he he came in last year, he looked like he was going to be a big difference maker. You know, I know he had the wrist injury from last year. Now there's a little bit of an issue with his knee. Hoping that these are just the anomalies and not the norm for him. Because if he plays like he did in that first preseason game, pair him up with Hendrickson and Hubbard and the whole crew of pass rushers, and that's going to be like getting a first-round draft pick. So it's, it's major for him to come back healthy. Same thing. He does need the reps more than an Alex Kappa. Let's admit that because he's a young player. But rest up, Joseph. Let's see you in training camp. Get back to normal. Because, again, we need you to get to the starting gate in one piece as well. Tyler Shelvin's career is is getting off to a little bit of a rough start. Didn't play much last year. Took him a little bit to get adjusted. And now he's got the wrist injury that requires surgery. So I'm hoping all goes well for him. We're going to need him in that defensive line rotation. And it looks like he's going to be a big part of it. So just heal up, Tyler. And we'll see you in training camp as well. And then Brandon Wilson and Joe Bocci are still healing their ACLs. That's normal. You know, they both took place in the season last year. So... It's hard to expect them in May to get right back to business, especially with the positions that they play. So two other guys, I'm not sure when they're going to be ready, but hopefully they'll be ready for the start of the season. And Brandon Wilson, you know, that's a major, major weapon in the kick return game. Again, Brandon, you're one of my favorite players. Take your time, heal it right. When you're ready to come back, can't wait for you to receive a kickoff and take it 102 yards. And Marcus Bailey has an undisclosed injury. Don't know anything about that yet, but he hasn't been practicing. Same thing, he's probably going to be okay for the start of training camp. And hopefully he can build off that last year where he had a couple good snaps on defense and a ton of good snaps on special teams. Last piece of Bengal news. It's kind of a feel-good story. Chris Henry, the amazing Bengal wide receiver from years back, his son, I think he's still in high school and he's already got a scholarship to OSU. So... It's looking like he's going to be a major player, and hopefully four, five, six years down the road, we see him in stripes to continue his father's legacy. And on Chris Henry, he was always one of my favorite players with that deep threat and the, the Carson Palmer knee game against Pittsburgh in 05, the playoff game. He, had a, he was on the other end of that, had a huge catch, and then he got banged up in that game. But the year where he unfortunately passed away, in training camp and preseason, he was lighting it up. And his career was, was going pretty well up to that point, but it looked like he was turning the corner to be like 
an elite player. He unfortunately he never got that opportunity, and I hope his son carries that torch and and goes on because it's going to be nice to see Henry on the back of a Bengals jersey again, scoring touchdowns and doing great things. All right, really quick, some general NFL news. The Broncos were purchased by a guy who was an heir to Walmart, so you figure he's got all the money in the world. And yes, he does, because he bought the Broncos for $4.5 billion. It's amazing how, you know, a decade or two back, these franchises were going for a couple hundred million, and now everything is worth billions. And the Bengals are right up there, too. So that's just a, a mind-blowing number, $4.5 billion. So I guess even if I win the Powerball, I'm not going to have enough money to buy the Bengals. So, you know, I'll just keep doing the podcast and let the Brown family continue to build a championship team. Ryan Fitzpatrick retired after a long career. He's been on almost every team in the league, including the Bengals. He didn't really play well for us when he was with us. I know they they went like 500 near the end, but that was a year where Carson Palmer hurt his elbow early in the year on a weird play against the Giants that you didn't think that was that major. And then he's gone for the year. Fitzpatrick kind of came in and and the team kind of tanked from there. But, you know, he's, he's a funny, engaging guy, very likable guy. And his biggest claim to fame for Bengals is that he came back to win the game that we played against the Dolphins that led to us getting Joe Burrow. So Ryan Fitzpatrick technically got us Joe Burrow. So thank you, Ryan. Enjoy your retirement. See you on TV. I think you're going to be an analyst. And the team that I'm not going to mention by name, I just can't mention them just yet. It's too soon. They signed two of their big players for huge money. Aaron Donald getting like 30 plus million a year. Cooper Cup with an $80 million deal, and he's only getting $15 million. I'm saying only. I mean, I'd be happy getting 15000 in my pocket at this point, but he's only getting $15 million for the first year or two, and then it goes up to $26 million. And, you know, I guess two things. One, I'm always wondering how these other teams just seem to fit everything under the cap. You know what? I mentioned it before in a previous episode about how teams kind of cheat the cap a little bit by restructuring contracts you know it's kind of cheating the system in my opinion so they have a lot of money invested in a couple players we'll see how that pans out for them I hope it doesn't pan out well to be honest with you I still have sour grapes and the last piece of NFL news Deshaun Watson I don't like to talk about off-field stuff on this on this podcast it's just I don't have time for it I want to just talk about football and the game and analyze players and teams and schemes and games In his case, we all know what's going on with him, and it just seems like more gets uncovered as time goes by. And the only thing I want to say on this is I want to have a quarterback in our division that I don't like. I don't want to have a player who's likable and and you're kind of like, well, he's a good guy. It's good to have one of your major rivals have a real unsavory character at quarterback. makes it easier to root against them and root for them to lose. And I have a couple good friends that are Browns fans, but... I don't understand. I just don't understand. I I guess talent trumps character. I guess that's what it is. And uh, I'm hoping that he comes back rusty and distracted. And as I said, I cannot wait for Hendrickson to get a piece of him. Hobson's Choice Questions All right, so as you guys may know, one of my favorite segments to do on the Unofficial Bengals podcast is to address the questions that were submitted to Bengals.com, the Hobson's Choice column. You guys know I have a lot of respect for Jeff Hobson. I've read him since almost the beginning, since the early 2000s. 
It's a daily read for me. Don't always agree with his takes, but totally respect his takes, and he's given me a lot of valuable Bengal information over the years. And as you also may know, the spirit of this segment is I have not seen the questions ahead of time. His column came out a couple days ago. I love to read the Hobson's Choice column, but I intentionally do not read it because I want my answers to be off the cuff, stream of consciousness, first thing on my mind, and kind of test my knowledge. Like, all right, here's a question, go. So that's what this segment is all about. And with that said, let's go on to the Hobson's Choice questions. All right, question number one. Have the Bengals decided if any part of the 2022 training camp in July will be open to the public, such as a scrimmage open to the public? Would love to get an early peek. Jeff Hobson would know better than me because he's on the inside of the organization, but I'm assuming that because restrictions have lightened up, that some training camp stuff is going to be open this year. And, you know, having a scrimmage is a big draw for the fans, exciting for the players. So if if there's any way to do it and the NFL legally allows the Bengals to do that, They're going to open stuff up, and we're all going to be able to go and watch our favorite players in July and August. Next question. Thought we'd prioritize wide receiver depth in the draft or with more high-end undrafted free agent offers. Not trying to derail this into a position versus BPA talk. I'm very happy with our draft. But have the new guys shown much yet? We're one injury away from bad days. You know, that is a good point. If you look at the the big three and then the drop-off from the guys behind them, on paper it seems significant, and and I do agree. It would have been nice to to maybe get a wide receiver in the draft or free agency. We still may. There's talk about possibly signing Fuller. I don't know what's going on there. But you know what? With a quarterback like Joe Burrow, you can make a second-tier wide receiver electric. And, you know, think about who we have behind him. I, I, I still think Mike Thomas can be successful in this league. Stanley Morgan, really more of a special teamer, but can give you some snaps. Trenton Irwin, he's an underdog. Put him in there and he performs. So the Bengals obviously saw enough in their backups to say, we're going to ride with these guys. Trent Taylor, same thing. You know, he's another one that has some NFL experience and he could have an expanded role if someone gets hurt. I don't know what's going on with any of the undrafteds. I'm not really familiar with those guys. Hopefully one or two of those guys stand out as well. But the coaching staff wants to ride with the guys that we have. And sometimes opportunity doesn't present itself. You know, I guess if there was a wide receiver they really wanted in this draft, they would have went after him, and they didn't. So sometimes it's saying, hey, we like the guys we have. Sometimes it's, well, we didn't get an opportunity to get another guy that we wanted. Either way, we may add someone, but I'm confident riding with the guys that we have. And you could say that at any position for injuries, right? Because what if, if Collins goes down? Now we're looking at possibly Isaiah Prince or Adenogy going in there. You know, what if Kappa goes down? Now you're looking at the same thing at guard. You know, you could say that about a lot of positions on the team where if, you're, if your number one goes down, it's going to be trouble. And, you know, guys do get hurt, and we could be facing that at wide receiver. But think about it. We have three great ones. A lot of teams barely have one or two. So we're already in a good spot. I guess when you're a great team like us, you get a little greedy and you want to see four or five marquee receivers it's hard to do that salary-wise, and it's hard to sneak all that talent onto your roster with you know 31 other teams vying for that same talent. So yeah, would like to see another wide receiver, but I'm totally happy going in with the core that we have. And I'm hoping Trent Irwin gets a chance. I, I really think he can be doing some big things. Next question. Do you think that Cincinnati will be able to re-sign Bates, if for no other reason than to trade him, or do you think he sits this season and moves on next? Provided, of course, that the new secondary talent lives up to their draft spots. 
Tough question. I don't know what's going to happen with Jesse Bates. I've talked about it on the show before. I just don't think they're going to give him the money that he wants. I could be wrong. Maybe as the season draws closer, he says, you know what? I'd rather get $15 million than hold out and sit home and not get paid. I don't know. It's really going to depend on how well Dax Hill adjusts to the position. I'm hoping that Jesse just comes back for one more year. I can't see it being a long-term deal with Burrow and Higgins and everyone else coming up for big contracts. So you're going to have to say goodbye to some players. Jesse Bates is one of them. I'm crossing my fingers. He says, I have a good shot to get back to the Super Bowl. I'm going to come back one more year. And that would be great for us because we would have that dynamite safety back there who could be at the top of the league when he's playing on top of his game. And he's also someone to mentor Hill and Britt and Anderson and the new guys. It's it's great on all fronts if he just comes back for one more year. So, Jesse, do what's best for you. I know you have to do that. But please come back. Just come back for one Super Bowl run. They're going to pay you well. It's going to improve your marketability. I know there's the injury risk. I can't speak for a player, but he's not getting the big money. So it's his decision whether he wants to sit out all year or he's going to come back for the one-year tag. And yeah, trading him is a very big possibility as well. And I've talked about it before. If you're going to trade him, please get a second rounder or get a third rounder and a, and a player. Like, Just don't give up Jesse Bates for a fourth round pick or a fifth or et cetera, et cetera. Next question. Will the Bengals look into adding more depth at the three-tech spot as well as edge? Banking on Zach Carter to replace some of Larry's productivity as the backup is asking a lot. One injury to Trey or Sam, and you don't feel good about Edge. Yeah, again, that a lot of positions are that way, but I think they're going to roll with what they have. They're going to roll with B.J. Hill. They're going to rotate Cam Sample in there. You know, hopefully Zach Carter pans out. So on the interior, and again, there's a possibility of bringing back Ogunjobi as well. So that's probably what the defensive tackle room is going to look like. Defensive end, I, I think we're, we're okay there. Yes, we were a different team with Hendrickson in there and without him in there. But the Steelers are a different team with Watt out. The Chargers are a different team with Bosa out. The Browns are a different team with Garrett out. You know, I can go on and on and on. It can happen to anybody. I do agree that your top pass rusher goes down and it's a hole. But, you know, they have Khalid Kareem to come in as a rotational guy. They have Zach Carter to come in as a rotational guy. Sample, if Osai pans out... That could solve a lot of things, too, as far as having a pass rusher in third-down situations. And, you know, they have quite a few defensive ends on the roster. And remember, we're getting spoiled. You can't have four top-of-the-league defensive ends. You can't have four top-of-the-league wide receivers. It's just hard to compile all that talent on one team. So, yes, at most positions, we're an injury away But everyone's like that. Go across the league. You can name players from every team that if they go down, their team is not going to be as good. We're in no different boat. So we got to roll the dice. We we do as much as we can with the salary cap and the draft picks that are available and the free agents that we can get in here. You do everything that you can, and the rest has to be a little luck with staying healthy and a little good fortune and good coaching to get the guys that are backups ready to step in there and still play winning football. My question is about our defensive line. We know the starters are Hubbard, Hendrickson, Hill, and Reeder, but how do you think the back end shakes out? How many will they keep? With Sample, Osai, Hubert, Gunter, Kareem, and Tisdale, a lot of options. Well, typically, you like to keep at least four to five defensive tackles and four to five defensive ends. You're probably looking at about 10 defensive linemen. It serves you better when you have a player like Camp Sample that can play both. Zach Carter's a player that can play both. 
if those guys really excel and and some of the other guys don't, you may see them keep nine. But I'm I'm feeling that it's going to be ten, and it, it's too early for me to speculate who those guys are. And it's not fair to the guys on the roster for me to have not seen them practice and say, well, you got to keep this guy, this guy, this guy, and not this guy. We'll know as training camp develops. Remember, injuries happen and players excel, players decline. We're going to see it all. And come August, late August, we're going to know who the 10 guys that we want and who the 10 guys are going to be. But yeah, I believe that that number will be 10 on the defensive line. Next question. What are the chances the Bengals make a trade for a three-tech come September? Also, if the Bengals make a trade for Bates, what should they expect back in return? Well, we addressed the Bates question. Like I said, I'd like a two or a three in a player. Three technique, yeah, they could go after someone, and I think that player would be Ogunjobi. He's the logical player if he's still on the couch come August and September. You never know what else they're going to do. I mean, maybe they trade Jesse Bates for another interior defensive line player. It's it's all up in the air right now, but I can see Ogunjobi being the first guy in if they're going to add another player. Next question. We hear a lot about the new O-line and passing game. What are the coaches' expectations for Mixon and company with the new linemen? I'm hoping Burrow gets an extra second to pass the ball. Will Mixon get more gaps? That question was asked by Dave. Dave, yes, 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 and yes. Burrow's going to have more time to throw. It's a better offensive line. Mixon's going to have bigger holes because you're going to have Lyle Collins punching people in the mouth and knocking people off the ball and Kappa with that good movement and strength and Karras with the pedigree. Those guys are going to make a big difference, and you're going to see it. That's one of the underdog things. We're saying fix the offensive line to protect Joe Burrow. Yes, that's number one. But the fringe benefit is Mixon and Pirine and Evans and Williams and whoever are going to have bigger holes, and you're going to expect big seasons out of them. And Coach Pollock has a lot more to work with in the running game. Being the running game coordinator with some blue-chip offensive linemen, especially Collins that he's worked with in the past, they're going to scheme things up really well. There's going to be improved play there. Mixon's going to have a monster year, and everyone behind him are going to have career years as well. Now, the thing is, with the offensive line, again, I'm getting greedy now, but you have the three new guys. You have your new center and a totally revamped right side of the line. The left side of the line, and I don't want to get into any doomsday scenarios. I just want to make everyone aware that we need Jonah Williams to play his best. We need him to play like he did in the playoff game against the Raiders last year. That's the Jonah Williams that I want to see. Jonah has to stay healthy, and he has to build upon his career and make this a big year. Because if not, we could see some of the same stuff on that left side. You know, if Jackson Carmen comes around, that's another big thing. Hopefully he does. He's, He's got a high pedigree. He's back to his natural left side over there. But again, two of the guys were from that same offensive line that got Burrow killed last year. Next question. Do you agree with me that the Bengals need a little more depth on the offensive and defensive lines? I would like for them to bring Spain and Reef back for solid depth on the offensive line and also a solid three-tech. Yeah, everyone's on this three-tech thing, so I understand. And yes, okay, hopefully that's Ogunjobi. Hopefully the players that they have pan out. Maybe they trade. Maybe they get another player. We talked about that all that already. Offensive line, I like the idea. And I don't want that to be the case this year where an injury and now, you know, Joe Burrow's getting sacked four or five times a game. So I like this. Who's who's the guy who wrote this in? Um, T. Moody from Bel Air, Maryland. Glad we have another Bengals fan down in Maryland to accompany Tom McLevy and hold off all those Ravens fans. But yes, Mr. Moody, excellent points. Bring back Spain. Bring back Reef. They're not going to come at big price tags. 
and I don't want to forget about Cordell Volson. We don't know what's going to happen with him. He could be that swing guard that comes in where maybe you don't need a Spain, or maybe he's the starter and Carmen improves his game and he's a backup. I don't I don't know what's going to happen there, but yes, I am worried about an injury on the offensive line more than anything else. And I said before, you know, if Hendrickson gets injured, that's a major thing. If perish the thought that one of the three Migos gets hurt, that's a big thing. And an injury on the offensive line is going to give me the nightmares that, wow, we're going to go back to last year and Joe Burrow is going to hopefully get out of the season with his career and his, his body still intact. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to continue to review the Bengals offseason. We're going to talk about some NFL news, and I'm also going to have some special guests as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.